Welcome to the Trigger Warning Talk podcast, where we have uncensored conversations. We exchange information. There's no therapy done on this podcast, and we provide a ton of resources. At any time, if you are triggered, we're going to have some information that I'm going to share with you in a few seconds. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. It's produced by Penton Pending Consultant Solutions, LLC. I'm your host, your fire medic brother, your CEO of Penton Pending. I am LP. I got a very special guest that's back in the house. We're going to do a part two to our very favorite topic, stigmas, taboos, and stereotypes. I want to welcome my guest, Leah Abraham, in the house, in the building. She's back to give us some more information to continue our conversation that we had a couple months ago. And I'm just so delighted again. This is the Trigger Warning Talk podcast. If you are triggered at any point during this podcast, because we come heavy and hard, we don't sugarcoat shit, we don't shuffle and jive and, and none of that stuff. Like it's real talk. Like, you know, if you got kids, you might want to put them in another room or something like that because it's about to go down. <laughs> if you are triggered at any point, I want you to call 911 because we know that that's where everything starts. That's where the documentation process starts. That's where you can start getting all the resources aligned and even more. If you don't have an emergency, but you still need help in the show notes. So, cause this is going to be recorded audio and video and we're streaming out everywhere. You get your podcast, including audible. We have the domestic violence, the sexual assault, the trafficking hotlines available and their websites listed. We also have the new 911 number for suicide issues. That's 988. That became nationwide July 16th. And I've been talking about this for months. And now I've been seeing everybody posting it like, oh, my God, I can't believe they had this. And I'm like, I've been talking about this for the last four months. Where you guys been? Anyway, that's just another story. <laughs> So if you have a substance abuse issue, alcohol or drugs, we have three numbers listed for you also. So if you are a supporter of someone who has one of those issues, we have Al-Anon. If you have alcoholism, we have Alcoholics Anonymous. If you have a drug issue, we have Narcotics Anonymous. So we really strive to cover all the bases. Leah Abraham, she is our resident childhood trauma expert, among other things that she does. Leah, I want to welcome you back. We're going to continue with this part two of stigmas, taboos, and stereotypes of childhood sex trauma. How are you doing, my beloved friend? Oh, LP, I'm happy to be back. Thank you for having me for round two. Um, it was an awesome conversation the first time around, but there's always so much to say, so I'm glad we're, I'm glad we're gonna do this again. Um, I'm I'm doing good today. Um, I'm happy to be in spaces where we're having these types of conversations where support is the main focus. Yeah. All those resources that you give at at the beginning and the end, and that you have in your show notes, are really important. We want people to know that they're supported through this. Right. And um, yeah, so I'm I'm feeling good today, Larry. Thank you. I want to add one more uh, point of reference to the listeners and the watchers of this show. We cover missing person cases on this podcast, and that's P 
people that are, and this these are primarily melanated men, women, and children. Now, some of the shows that we do for missing persons, the whole episode is going to be about missing persons, like the case that I covered this past Thursday with our guest Theta Person, whose uh, son was Christian Ferguson, and her case was on court TV. And it was the case of Missouri versus Ferguson. Made It was a nationally televised case. It was a week long from uh, June 27th through July 1st. And in that case, his biological dad was the offender and he was convicted of first degree murder. Now this case has been 19 years coming. And so that whole episode was about that missing person case because to this day, nobody has found Christian Ferguson's body. And he was nine years old. He was a special needs kid. So if you haven't checked out that interview, please, please, please check out that interview. It is a phenomenal story. Theater person is a phenomenal advocate for missing persons. And today's story that we're going to cover at the end of this interview is the missing person case of Zayla Walker. Zayla Walker. And we'll talk about that at the end. Leah, you have a trauma drama room in Clubhouse. And that room this past week, you had a very interesting conversation with all of us talking about childhood sex trauma in relationship to STDs. And I want to jump right into that because that was such a dynamic, dynamic, you know, bit of information based on a book that you have access to. And before we do that, I want you to just talk about yourself a little bit. You know, we're going to give you a shameless plug at the end, but I want to give you one at the beginning because you're such a phenomenal person. The mic is yours. Tell us about yourself. Just give us a refresher. Thank you so much, LP. Um, So Leah Abraham, I am a childhood trauma expert. I work with adults who are ready to begin healing their childhood trauma. I also work with them to see their addictions with new perspective because where there is trauma, there's always a, a need to escape it. So there's always addiction as well. So changing the narrative around how we feel in terms of the addictions that we find ourselves in. And, um, and that's, that's really my passion is trying to um, send out the message that when we choose to heal, it can be um, a simplified process. It's, it's not a simple thing to do. It takes a lot of work to heal because we're going back to those dark places. But the process, if you understand what healing looks like, and why it's important, um, then then it's a simplified process. So that's really the the message that I want to put out. That there's there's so much pain on the planet, especially through sexual abuse. That's what I focus on primarily. And we all deserve healing. We need healing on this planet. So that's the work that I do. What I'm passionate about is making sure that people are able to choose healing and take the steps necessary to to heal and to bring more joy into their life to release a lot of the pain that we've stored in our bodies for so long 
So that is um, the concept behind Trauma Drama Room. In that space, we're always speaking about childhood trauma, specific to sexual abuse trauma, and then each week we have a different subtopic. So this past week, the subtopic was speaking about sexual abuse and uh, sexually transmitted diseases and how they tie together. So that's a little bit I about me. Bumps. I got chill bumps literally right now. Like I don't know if you can see them well, but I'm telling you, I'm just reflecting in my head in that room, that whole conversation, because I just remember distinctly when you first mentioned the book and you were talking about the correlation between the two, I was like, okay, I really want to hear this perspective. And it was an 11 minute read that you have. So if you want to read longer than that, that's fine. You got the mic or you can go back into doing it like you did before. But I'm going to give you the microphone because, and I want you to basically give it to us like you gave it to us that day. <laughs> All right, LP. Yeah. So what I read at the beginning of the room, that was, that was something that I wrote out. That's my personal experience um, with STDs. And I wrote it from the perspective of uh, the relationship that I have with my parents. Um, my father is my perpetrator. And so I wrote it from that perspective. Um, I, I gave the, the first part of the story was how I felt in that moment during college when my parents had to come down and help me deal with something that was happening in my body. Um, and then the second half of that story, I wrote it from the perspective that I have now after I see clearly what happened to me in childhood and the type of environment that I was raised in um, and, and how, how that all correlated together. So this, this book that you're referring to that I often call the good book is um, a book that's written by Louise L. Hay. And she wrote this book, it's called You Can Heal Your Life. But in this book, she has um, a compilation of her very first works, which were You Can Heal Your Body. And what that is, is a list of many ailments. I say many because there's not everything listed in here, but there's so many um, ailments and diseases within the human body. And what Louise Hay was able to do based off of her work with her clients and her research uh, and her purpose and passion was, was put together this list of thought patterns behind these manifested diseases within the body. So everything starts as a thought pattern in the mind and then it manifests outwardly to or inwardly in the body. And so she talks about, you know, these different diseases being tied to these specific thought patterns that we have running in our mind. And then she gives you a counter thought pattern, a new affirmation thought pattern to counter that negative one. Okay. So what I read in the room was, um, was what she has listed for venereal disease. And, um, and I'll read it to you now. So the, the probable cause, the thought pattern that's running through people's minds that experience sexually transmitted disease in the body, this is, this is what she states, that it's sexual guilt, it's a need for punishment, 
a belief that the genitals are sinful or dirty and it's abusing another. So for me, those were all true. Those were core beliefs that I carried in my subconscious mind since childhood because of the abuse that I endured. And, but, but unknowingly, these are core beliefs that we carry in the subconscious. And, and most of the time we're unaware of them. But reading it out and being able to make that connection was really eye-opening for me. Um, because if you think about it, you know, there are some people who will contract a venereal disease and then there are some people doing the same actions that don't. And so it's really about what our core beliefs are. And, and if we're believing that, that, we, that we, um, we deserve to be punished and that our gen genitals are sinful or they're uh, dirty, then it's very probable that our, our body will manifest this venereal disease, these sexually transmitted diseases. So um, I want to also read the new thought pattern for those of you that are listening, because if you do recognize that these may be some of your core beliefs that you're operating from, or if you've had sexually transmitted diseases in the past, it's very likely that it's tied to your belief around your sexuality. So the, um, so the new thought pattern is I lovingly and joyously accept my sexuality and its expression. I accept only thoughts that support me and make me feel good. So that's, um, I I'm going to read the one for uh, herpes as well. I shared that in the room and I think it's important to read that one as well because it's, it's just very powerful. Um, if, if you really open yourself up to these different uh, thoughts and and you recognize how they live probably within you it's incredible so the one for um, for herpes is mass belief in sexual guilt and the need for punishment public shame public shame belief in a punishing God and rejection of the genitals um, and then the new thought pattern for that one is my concept of God supports me. I am normal and natural. I rejoice in my own body and in my own sexuality. I am wonderful. So those are, um, thank you for letting me share that LP because to me it's, um, it's very, very important to get to the root cause and to connect to our current core belief system. It's really important to make that connection and to see that clearly because it's from that space that we can begin to reconstruct those core belief systems. We can get to the root of our traumas and, um, and address it and begin to process and, and heal it essentially. So thank you for letting me share that. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about these root causes and let's get into some of this reconstruction. Yeah. So, so when we know that we have trauma in childhood specific to sexual abuse trauma, when we know it gives us that bit of advantage because if there is sexual abuse in childhood, we for sure have these beliefs that we are flawed, that, um, that we're not worthy, that, uh, this vessel, this body is to be used by other people 
then it's it's not ours. We we don't have clear boundaries. We we don't know what it is to have boundaries around our personal space. Um, so if you know that you have sexual abuse in childhood, then you you can likely link those core beliefs already. But there are many people that because in in childhood our body works with us to keep us safe, to allow us to survive into adulthood. So when we experience things like that, our brain literally shuts down parts of itself to protect us so that we, we don't remember those things, so that we're not constantly living with that, with that experience in our present moment. So there are many people that I work with um, and that I engage with that they don't clearly remember things that happened to them in childhood. And so that's when, when I say getting to the root of things, that's what, um, what, what we do, what we talk about. So getting to the root of things begins by looking at what has grown from that root. So what has grown, what does your current adult life look like? Are things working in your life? What, what is, um, how are you progressing in your career? What do your personal relationships look like? What do your friendships look like? Um, what is your level of self-love look like? Um, do you have these self-sabotaging behaviors going on? Um, what, what's your relationship like with your children? There's, so there's all of these things that we can begin to look at. So it's, it's what's grown from the root. We're looking at what's out here and we can sort of begin to identify, well, I keep getting in these really uh, bad relationships. I have this pattern of choosing people that abuse me or, you know, so we can start looking from the surface. But then if, if we see the pattern, I keep getting into these relationships where people abuse me. Okay, let's go down deeper to the root. Where did you learn that that was okay? You know, why is that part of your core belief system that, I get into relationships with people who abuse me. So then we start going back and thinking, where did I first see that? Where did I first get that message? Where did I first create that core belief? And most often it is because you saw your parents in that type of relationship, an abusive relationship. So then we go back and we, we, we begin to revisit those experiences that we had in childhood and going deeper and and with healing it's it's always about going deeper and uncovering and opening more layers to ourselves so that's what i mean when i talk about the root we look at what has grown from it we identify the patterns within it and then we track them back to where we first where we first um, created that belief or um, experience that particular trauma. Um, and, and, and the thing I want to say about that too is that when people are ready to heal, when they make the choice to heal, what we need comes up for us. So our, our subconscious is never going to give us too much and it's always going to give us little pieces at a time to process. These little pieces it'll put in front of us and, and we'll see that, we'll, we'll be able to process that. And then we'll move forward to the next piece. We'll go a little deeper. We'll uncover another layer. So it's, um, it's a process. It's a process. But when you understand the process, it, it brings a lot of um, clarity to it. And, it. and it brings hope to know that if we go through that process, we will get to that other side of healing. 
we'll be able to create more joy in our life. We'll be able to create more space within ourselves for good to come in. So that's what I mean by the root. How do we reconstruct a person who's traumatized, especially you add on that layer of STDs with the trauma? How do we help reconstruct that person to become whole again? So Larry, the, the first part of that is understanding who we are on our soul level. So in my five-step healing process, which I believe we touched on last conversation, the, the first step is alignment. So learning what it is for us as an individual to be in alignment, to be in alignment in our body, in our mind, and our spirit. So when I work with clients, that is, that's the very first thing that we go to because we were born in alignment. Our, who we are at the essence is our, our true authentic self. So, so we, are, we are that. So it's, it's about figuring out, coming back to that part of ourselves and understanding when we are aligned in mind, body, and spirit in this present moment, this is what it feels like for me. This is what it's like when I'm in alignment. So the first step to this, to this healing, this restructuring, is knowing what that alignment is for us. Because once we have a clear picture of what that looks like for us, we can easily identify when we're out of alignment. We can easily identify when we're out of alignment. And when we do identify that we're out of alignment, then we take the steps to bring ourselves back in. And those, what those steps look like are, again, identifying the pattern, getting back to the root, and then allowing for this body to process that, that stored energy of the unprocessed, unprocessed experiences from childhood. So, so that's how we, that's how we sort of begin to restructure this because if we recognize that, that in alignment, I'm fulfilled, I, I love myself, um, I, I'm, I, I'm capable of, of doing, uh, the, the work at my job that's going to get me that promotion. We, we know all of this stuff to be true for ourselves. So, so when we find that we're, we're out of alignment, when we, when we find ourselves in addiction, perhaps, then we can ask ourselves, well, what is it? Why am I here? What was it that triggered me into this space? And so that may, that may be that, um, you know, your, your boss asked you to do something and you weren't able to meet the time limit on it. And so that that's a trigger for you because it reminds you that you're not good enough because you can't do things right or whatever, you know, that core belief that you, that was instilled in you from childhood is. So then when you recognize that it's not your boss, that's, that's giving you that belief, it's something that already lives within you. And then, so it's finding the root of that. And then seeing, I remember, you know, when my dad told me that when he was beating my ass and he told me that, so, so then you can identify, well, that is not truth for me. That is not truth for me. And then so you, you can either process what comes up from remembering that, from making that connection. And sometimes that, that looks like crying it out or it looks like screaming or wh whatever way your body can process that for you. But after you allow the release of that and, and you 
you tell yourself what is true. I'm capable of learning new things. I'm capable of, of meeting goals that I set, whatever it is for you. That, that restructures that belief. It removes the belief that, you know, you can't do anything right. And it replaces it with, I, I can, if I work hard, I can do whatever I set my mind to. So, so that's an example of, us being out of alignment and then bringing ourselves back in. Um, so I give I give those tools, and I'm going to just um, quickly talk about those five steps one more time, so that sure. that you have Absolutely. them here and and our listeners have them. So the first step is alignment. What alignment. it is for you to be in alignment in mind, body, and spirit in the present moment. What does that feel like for you? And what does it feel like when you're out of alignment? So that's the first step, identifying alignment. The second step is self-love. Self-love. And and I'll tell you, that is the hardest step for people, LP, because that's that's the ingredient that's missing, that that we have never been introduced to. We didn't see our parents loving themselves. They didn't teach us how to love themselves. They they taught us the opposite. So bringing self-love in is a very difficult step. But it's necessary. It's so necessary because when we start going into the trauma, when we start allowing those things to surface, all those negative core beliefs are activated. And they're like, they're reminding us, "Uh uh-uh, you're not good enough. Uh Uh-uh, you're not worthy. Uh Uh-uh, you're dumb. Like, whatever they are. So we need that self-love, that foundation of self-love to combat what's going to come up when we move into step three, which is dealing with the trauma. So um, before we go to step three, I want to say about self-love that there are different levels of it. The first level is acknowledging. So acknowledging us, acknowledging our inner child, acknowledging our addiction, acknowledging our trauma, acknowledging the things that we don't like to look at. So just saying, I see you. Just saying I see you is a level of self-love. It's the first level. And then from there, we go into acceptance. I see you and I accept you. And then from there, you know, we have different levels and depths of self-love. But that's, that's how it begins, simply by acknowledging and accepting and then going did, from there. Did you say releasing our denial is part of that also? Is that part of step two? So that's, that's part of step three. Oh, step three. Okay. Um, okay. That's part of step three. So in step three, we're talking about our trauma. And so that means first releasing denial that we've built up around that trauma because we, okay. So I've, I've talked about this in a lot of my clubhouse rooms. It's like our denial. I, I talk about building castle walls of denial. So if you think about it, when we are in childhood, we receive these bricks of denial from our parents, you know, no, this is what, what you're saying is not true. Here's a brick. This is the person that I am. I'm, I'm a, you know, a a good church going father. This is my particular experience. Okay. So this, this denial block, and they give you these blocks. So our parents build the first layers of that wall for us by giving us those blocks. And then as we get older, we create our own blocks of denial. No, that's, I, I'm just being crazy. My, my dad's not, he could never do that. I'm, I'm being crazy. Block of denial, you know. So we build these castle walls of denial around us. 
to protect us. And it is, it's a false sense of safety, having these, having this, this huge wall around us. But what that does, LP, is it keeps us from the world. So it keeps us protected behind these walls so that nothing can come in, but nothing can go out. And we can't, if you think of a castle, you think of like those little tiny windows. So we're like, seeing out those little tiny windows but we can't actually like experience this world when we're behind those walls so the first thing we got to do is break down those walls and allow ourselves to see all of that trauma clearly to see that the things that happen in that first seven years of life when our when our core belief system is being structured to see those things clearly like you know a lot of people will say oh yeah, my, my dad's been in AA for so many years. And, and I think to myself, and if they're my client, I ask them, okay, well, what about prior to that? You know, because when, when I was 12, my dad went into AA. Okay, all the time before that, think about that. Those, those first seven years of our life is where we are creating that core belief system. So it's important to break down those walls of denial and see shit clearly. So that's when we can see, you know, we can see all the bad, but we can also see out to the horizon, all the good. So that's the importance of releasing our denial around this stuff. And then it's about getting to the, the root, getting to what I call the break in spirit where our spirit was broken and we learned to go outside of ourselves for safety and comfort rather than stay in that alignment space. We learned that this alignment space is, is not, it's, it's not okay. I got, I have to look outside of me for safety and comfort. And that's what I call the break in spirit when that happens. And so identifying that our, our deepest trauma that broke our spirit is okay. what I like to try to identify with my clients i want you to hold i want you to hold right there hold that thought okay hold that thought before we get to the last two this is the trigger warning talk podcast being brought to you by anchor we are produced by pen pending consultant solutions llc i'm your host lp have a special guest back for round two leah abraham she's a childhood trauma expert you know leah these last two, when I look at them, I'm like, man, I got to ask you before you go on, because you're very intentional like I am. When you created this five-step healing process, did you put these in order in according to according to importance? Or like, what was your mindset when you created these particular points? Uh, of this process because I'm sitting there and I'm like if I were to do this just with the first three that you named you know alignment self-love and releasing our denial in my head I think I would have put self-love first Mm. because you said it's the hardest but it's the most necessary and then I would have put the alignment and then releasing the denial. Yes. That's just me. You know, that's just my brain. So I want to know just from those first three, mm-hmm. but I don't want you to answer it right now because I want you to list the other two and then we'll go from there. Okay. 
So, so step four. No, I, I love it. I love it because that's a very good question. And I, um, and I, I want to give that answer because it's important okay. the way that the steps are put into place. Um, so I'm glad that you asked that question. So we'll go to step four and five and then I'll cover that. So step four is our addictions. So looking at our addictions clearly. So when I talk about addiction, it's any pattern that we engage in that's outside of ourselves. So we know what alignment is because we've gone through step one where we create our alignment and our unalignment image. So when we are in, engaging in patterns that are out of our alignment, that's what I refer to as an addiction because it literally can be anything. You know, people pleasing is an addiction. Um, exercise is an addiction. Um, you know, <laughs> collecting things can be an addiction. Hoarder type Hoarder. situations. Yeah. Yes. Say, yeah. So, yes. So, there, you know, any pattern that is outside of our alignment can become an addiction, can be a potential addiction pattern. So we talk about looking at our addictions clearly. So when we are triggered, when there's pain in our present moment, we've, you know, we learned early in childhood, get away from that, find safety. So we, we've done that all our lives. Like, oh, something's coming up in the present moment that I cannot deal with. So whoop, I'm going to move into an addiction and now I'm okay you know? And so we all have those. We all have those. But um, sometimes that's, it's really hard for us to admit the way that we cope with our pain. So being able to see those clearly and identify them for ourselves is really important because the, 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 whole, um, the whole part about this five-step healing process is gaining clarity and seeing with clear vision. Because for, for most of it, we've you know, we've suppressed these things in the dark. We've only showed this part to the world. So this healing process is really about integrating all parts of ourselves. So seeing our addictions and, and not like not hating ourselves for, for, for using those addictions, but rather seeing the reason why, seeing and understanding why we go to those addictions, because the pain that our body is trying to process is it's it's too much with without proper support or without the knowledge of how to move through and process what's coming up. So so to see our addictions clearly is very important. And then the fifth step is is having the proper tools to move forward. You know, so that we've we've done all this work this the, in these steps, and now we have proper tools to take with us as we move forward on this healing journey. Because, like I said, there's always going to be more layers to us that are opening up, more things revealed. So it's important that we have tools in our tool belt, so that when something comes up, we know, okay, I can call this person, or I I know this book that I can read through this this book that I can read through that's really going to help bring me back into alignment or so we so we build tools that are helpful for our journey so those are the five steps and so the the reason why I set them up the way that I did because like you said yeah self-love is most important and why is that not first but the reason why it's not first is because it's the hardest one LP if I told people all right we're gonna heal let's love ourselves first 
I would lose everybody. I would lose everybody because it's really? so hard to, it's so hard to bring in something that's so foreign to us and something that feels so foreign to our current core beliefs. Because our current core beliefs, they don't tell us that we deserve love. They, they tell us the opposite, you know, that you don't deserve stuff, that you're not good enough, like you're, you're to be used or, you know, whatever those core beliefs are, they're not loving. If, if we are coming from a foundation of, of trauma, then those core, core belief systems are not loving. So to ask people to bring in self-love right off the bat, it, it, it's, um, it's, it's hard for us to comprehend how to do that. So we start with alignment first because alignment is our natural state. So at the core of, of who we are, we all, we all know alignment. We all know alignment. We, we were born into alignment. That's the essence of who we are. Um, so getting that understanding first is really key is really key because in in that alignment we we go through and we talk about what is the body the body is made up of the brain the heart the gut that's the body this physical body and every organ in it then we we identify what is spirit and spirit is whatever you believe your higher power to be spirit is whatever you believe that gives this body life so what breathes your body, what beats your heart, that's, that's spirit. And then, and then we talk about the mind. What is the mind? And this one is, you know, where, um, where it kind of gets tricky, but I love this part. The mind is the soul in human form because the soul is the essence of who we are. It contains all the knowledge and wisdom of the universe. It's, it, it contains all the knowledge and wisdom of of who we are at our essence. So past lives, future lives, across time and space, that's what the soul is. But in order for the soul to learn new lessons, it has to enter into a human experience. So when it comes into the human experience, it becomes the human mind, which is something that can be conditioned, which is something that can learn. And um, and it, and it's subject to to this human experience. So when we talk about, are you aligned in the present moment? Well, your physical body is, it's always aligned here in the present moment. If you're breathing and your heart's beating, then you know that spirit is with you. So what is it that moves out of the, out of the present moment? It's the mind. The mind can live in the past. The mind can live in the future. So it's about bringing them center. And, and, and understanding the three parts and, and what they are for you. So, um, so that's why it's key to understand your alignment first. Because if you get that alignment piece, if you get how powerful you are when you're in alignment, it, it, it opens the door to that love to come in. It opens the door for what is natural to us in that space of alignment. Love is natural to us in that space of alignment. So that's why it's step two instead of step one. That makes sense now that you say it, because I was sitting there like, when I was looking at the five steps, I'm like, I think I would have switched a couple of these around 
but only the ones that I mentioned because four and five, I think, are just perfect where they are. But in my head, I'm just like, I think I would have put self-love first because you're talking about acknowledgement. You're talking about acceptance. And then the way you explain it, I'm like, mind blown. That's it. I want to jump to what we're talking about, stigmas, taboos, and stereotypes, because that's our thing with childhood sex trauma. EMDR. For those that don't know, EMDR is a modality that's used specifically for people that have experienced traumas. And so we're not going to get into a whole lot of that. What I will ask you about is when we're talking about modalities like EMDR, because I like the way that it's set up with the eye movement, Mm -hmm. different things like that. And you're focusing on different things as you're retelling a story or retelling a, a trauma or retelling an event. For you, being a a practitioner in terms of having clients. I like the metaphysical part that you bring to your clients when you're talking about the mind, the body, the spirit, having everything in alignment, the way that you just explain it. I'm like, she's a metaphysician. And because you're a metaphysician, I like highlighting other metaphysicians on this podcast because there's no one there's no one size fits all. Everybody doesn't need a pill. Medication is important, but everybody don't need it. Everybody's not going to go and sit on a couch for 45 minutes doing a Q&A session. You know, that might work for some people. We know now a lot of times that doesn't work. Especially if you're really traumatized. That's where cognitive behavior therapy and EMDR and now you have these non-traditional modalities, NLP and the EFT tapping, you know, breath work. You know, uh, Aaron and I did a breath work session when when I did her interview. I've done an EFT tapping session on the interview with my friend Danya Varghese when we were talking about gun violence and how that played out with her in a domestic violence situation years and years ago. Uh, I talked with uh, Geraldine, you know, and I talked with Val and we talked about some of these different modalities. I've had, I I got a podcast coming out soon where a lady, she deals with tarot cards and crystals. Mm. We did a whole breakdown of how that all plays into the work that she does with people who have been victimized by domestic violence, by sexual trauma, uh, people that have been trafficked because she sees clients that have experienced all three of those. And I thought, wow, that's very interesting. The stigmas, the taboos, and the stereotypes that you see when it is in regard to STDs, let's talk about that real quick. What are some of the things that you have experienced with clients that have shared with you you know, not only did I get traumatized, now I got this long-standing venereal disease that I got to deal with, or just the fact that it might have been something that they took some medication and they got cured for, it, but it's still planted in their head. So, can you talk about that? Yeah, um, 
I first want to say, LP, that you're exactly right. You know, step five of the healing process is tools. And mm -hmm. those are very unique to each individual right. based on their trauma, based on their addictions, based on uh, their alignment. Right. So we're all so unique in each of those areas. So I, I, I'm glad that you mentioned that because there is no one size fits all. It's about what works for you, what is going to benefit you and support you as you move forward. Um, and then I also wanted to mention the EMDR. I love that so much because what it's doing is it's, it's pausing. It's creating a pause in a pathway within the brain that gives us just a, enough of a pause to create a new pathway. And, and that's the beauty of it because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to rewire. When I say, you know, um, reconstructing the core belief system, I, I talk about it and I always say here because it's like our foundation, but really it's, it's in the, the neuro pathways in our brain. And so those types of modalities, the tapping, the EMDR, what it does is it just gives a pause so that we interrupt a current neural pathway. You know, we're, we're, we experience a, a trigger from the outside and that neural pathway goes and that may lead us to addiction or to, to fight or whatever it is. But if we can use one of these modalities and, and pause it, it allows us to redirect that. So that's restructuring the core belief system. And that's why those are so powerful and, and um, really important to explore, to explore all these different modalities because you don't know which one is going to work for you. But no, there's no. so many out there and so many wonderful ones. And the people that, um, that practice and, um, and, and give these uh, out to others, that's, that's their passion. Sorry. So it's really important to um to uh to try all these different things and find what works for you very important um now as far as the the taboo and all of that the stigma around sexually transmitted diseases so you know i talk about a topic that first of all not many people talk about sexual abuse trauma right. but but then we go even deeper and we talk about these type of things you know we talked about um sexual abuse and abortion uh, two weeks prior and and this one um sexual abuse and stds like when i talk about um love self-love you know acknowledging parts of ourselves this is one of those parts of ourselves like many of us are like i will never tell anyone that i have an std because i don't want them to think i'm gross or dirty or the the taboos the stigmas around that and so and so we just bury that down we just put it away, we bury it down and we never look at it again and we never tell anybody about it. But the thing is, it's a piece of us. It's a piece of us. And if we don't acknowledge and accept that piece of us, we're, we're not going to be our whole self. We're not going to be complete to move forward with our complete whole self at, and take these steps forward. We're going to be leaving parts of ourselves behind and that's going to hold us back because those pieces of us are still scattered back there. And so that's, you know, it's, it's incredible the numbers, like how many people live, live with herpes or um, contract venereal diseases. And th the numbers are so high. So it's like, you know, if the numbers are so high, but, but we're all being quiet about it, nothing's going to change. And that, it's exactly the same with 
talking about sexual abuse. The numbers are so high, but nobody's talking about it. So how is anything going to change if, if we're not, you know, bringing it to the surface to look at it, if we're not shining the light on these things? So I think, um, you know, STDs was um, a, a lot of people mentioned that when they saw the topic, they were kind of like nervous to go into the room and all of that. But the beauty is I stood up, I was like, let's do it. Let's do it. Like, why didn't I think of that before? I was like, oh my God. Cause I knew we had a I knew we had our interview coming up again. I was like, man, that's what we're gonna talk about. <laughs> I'm telling you, I've been waiting on that and I was just trying to figure out how I was gonna approach it and who the guest was gonna be because I didn't want mm. it to be talking or whatever, you know, because yeah. Because I come from St. Louis, and let me tell you something. St. Louis, unfortunately, is known for a number of things. Negative. One, it's known as the murder capital to the U.S., and sometimes it's number one, sometimes it's number three, or whatever, based on the ratio per capita. Right. The second thing that is known for being number one is in STDs, mm -hmm. and it's been number one for STDs for decades. I, a lot of people don't know this about me. Years ago, back in between 94 and 97, and I wasn't even in EMS. I was doing, uh, I was working for a neighborhood organization and they had health clinics in the St. Louis area. Myself and a number of other people that worked at the job I worked at, we got certified by the Red Cross as HIV and AIDS educators. And, what, and we had two certifications. One was just as an HIV AIDS educator. And the second one was an African-American HIV and AIDS educator. And so what we would do is we'd go around to the neighborhood, the neighborhood clinics and the neighborhood organizations and just anywhere. And we would teach people about HIV and AIDS, you know, good, bad, ugly, dispelling myths, the stigma, stereotypes and taboos. That's where that came from, because mm -hmm. we talk a lot about that. And I just remember how uncomfortable it was. And this was before the word triggering came out and all this stuff or whatever in relationship to traumas. I remember having conversations with people about these things all the time, especially when it, it was in relationship to children in STDs because that tends to turn the conversation in a whole nother direction now you're talking about criminal stuff now you're talking about pedophile reporting now you're talking about pedophilia now you know what i'm saying so now you're talking about incest and, and molestation mm -hmm. and rape and all of these different things nobody wants to have that conversation now we know that has hurt and killed so many people and we got to do something about this. So when you brought that up, I was like, oh my God, you know what? Your flowers are just, I'm just going to lay them out like on uh, coming to America when they would throw all the rose petals out. <laughs> the king would walk I love the visual. So that's what I was doing. I was just throwing out the rose petals. I'm like, come on. <laughs> you know? Thank you, LP. But seriously, we got to have these discussions yes, with solution-based plans of action because we're intentional, right? It ain't That's just right, about right. dialogue. So when you said right. that, I'm like, we're going to talk about that. And I want you to just say 
one thing about STDs in children in terms yeah. of the reporting. So Talk about that. Yes. Um, Larry, first of all, I, I want to thank you for the person that you are, because you're a unique individual who, who runs into the fire, who runs into the fire. So like these types of conversations, it's like you running into the fire. And, and I appreciate that because we, we need those type of heroes to, to help in these situations that nobody wants to run into the fire, but that's, that's what we got to do. Um, you know, Okay, so we, we, as children, we internalize everything. You know, this traumatic thing happened to me and this adult treated me in this way and we don't have the emotional intelligence to understand, oh, they, they must be traumatized themselves and they're acting from their traumas and this has nothing to do with me. We don't have the capacity to do that as children. The only thing we can do is it must be me it must be me. So we internalize everything. It's, and it's the same with STDs. Like as adults, as adults, we, because we already have that core belief that something's flawed with us, that it's our fault. So you don't know how many people think that it's my fault because I was being promiscuous or because, and, and we make these stories that make us at fault. And when I read those, Afro, you know, the, uh, the connection between the, um, the thoughts in the, the mind and what's happening in the body, I, I hope that's freeing to people because when, when those type of things happen to us in, in childhood, an adult violates us sexually. An adult awakens our sexuality before we have the emotional intelligence to process something like that. It's, it creates these these patterns within us and when we see the correlation it's like it's like no wonder it's like no wonder we right. we contracted these diseases because we believe that the genitals are sinful and dirty and we believe in public shame and we believe in all all of these things that that cultivate this um, environment for these viruses to thrive so I, I hope that's helpful to, for you to understand that we, we know as adults that what happened to us was, was not right. It wasn't our fault, but it's the same with STDs. What happened to us was, was not right. It's not our fault because there's, there's deeper issues going on there. There's deeper issues going on there. And in, in terms of in children, like that was, um, that was something that was shared, you know, that, that was something that was shared that, Oftentimes in adulthood, we we go into the doctor's office and um, you know we find that we have these these uh, these viruses living in the body, and the doctor tells us, you know, um, this could stem back from years ago, and and then it reminds us that years ago we were a child who was molested by a parent or a cousin, or and and so that's how we contracted the virus and. So it, it's, it's like, it's like trauma on top of trauma, you know, these layers of, of trauma in it, and it just becomes so heavy. It just becomes so heavy. So talking about it, looking at it, um, creating these safe spaces where we can have discussions about it are, are so important because it, it, 
removes that heavy weight off of us and it gives us a clearer understanding of of, of what's going on um yeah the 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 stds in in children it, it makes me like it's almost like uh it's almost like i don't like talking about it because it's so fucking wrong you know it's so it's so um it's so foreign to the soul it's so foreign to the soul and that's i often say that about sexual abuse in general it's so foreign to the soul and that's why that's why it's it's so difficult for us to like comprehend how how the numbers are so high like how it's so prevalent because it makes no sense it makes no sense but but the truth is this is the world we're living in look at the statistics look look at all the people that you speak to look at all the people i speak to like the truth is it's here and the only way to change it is to begin speaking about it and shining the light on it so that everybody sees sees it for what it is and that's how we move forward in um effective change so LP loves all the kids. Mm, yeah. The kids this need is, love. The kids need love. This is it's difficult for me because I love the kids. Yeah. And not only do I love the kids, being a licensed clinician, being a paramedic, it makes me want to holler, like Marvin Gaye said, because I wrote down a bill of not rights. A bill of not rights. I like that. And I want to tell you what they are. Yeah. Because when I'm talking to kids and when I'm talking to adults who have been victimized with these traumas, I say, I'm going to give you a bill of not rights. Mm. You got a right to not be tortured, not to be raped, not to be molested not to be shamed, not to be judged, not to be guilted, not to be pained, not to be injured, not to be violated, not to be abused, not to be impregnated, not to be infected, not to be hurt. Mm. And we can always do an amendment and add more to them. an addendum. I should say not amendment, an addendum. We can always add to it. Yeah, that's powerful. I think it's powerful. I think it's powerful. And, 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 and we also need to do the bill of rights. You deserve to love yourself. You deserve to be cared for. You deserve to. I want you to, to. I want us to come up with that. We're going to come up with both. I want you to either add to what I said and for the not, and then we're going to collaborate together on a bill of on the flip side. So yes. just hold off on that because we're going to come okay. up with that. Just hold off on that. I, I, I <laughs> know. Good. Yeah, just hold off on that. Here's what I want to do because, again, we're intentional and we talk about plans of action. And again, this is the Trigger Warning Talk podcast. We're streaming everywhere that you get your favorite podcast. We're brought to you by Anchor, produced by Pen Pen and LL, Pen Pen and Consulting Solutions LLC. I want you, Leah Abraham to give us three plans of actions when it comes to dealing with childhood sexual trauma and STDs. What do we do when we 
are made aware of that. Mm, yes. So the, the first thing I, I would say is support. Support is so important as we begin this healing journey. So get yourself a group of people that support you. Come, come join us in Clubhouse or find us on Instagram, but begin building a, a connection of support for yourself. Whether that is you, you get into therapy and you have a, a regular therapist, whether that's you come into clubhouse rooms and you, um, you join the, the community, the safe community there, but get support, find support. Because when these things start coming up, when we, when we tell our subconscious mind, I'm ready to heal, and the subconscious mind allows these things to begin surfacing, we need support. We need support. Um, so I would say get yourself some support. That's number one. Number two is know that you can heal. Know that you, you, all that, like when you look in the mirror, that what you see, that's enough to heal everything that you've ever been through. So that's so important for people to understand that they are their greatest healer. There's, there's guidance from the outside. That's number one, find your support, find your guidance, but it's, it's you reconnecting to your inner healer. That's the, where the work is going to happen. It's inside of you. We're designed by nature. We're designed to heal from the inside out. You get a cut and your body heals it from the inside out. You have a, a virus, a, you know, you get the flu, the body heals it from the inside out. You have trauma that came to you from the outside, the body heals it from the inside out. So that's number two, is know that you are strong enough and, and you have everything you need to be your own greatest healer. That's two. And then and then three, the, the last piece that I'll give is to remember that when we start doing this healing work and the things that come up, it's, it's hard, it's heavy, but it is not the trauma. We have already been through the trauma as children. So when we consciously choose to go back through with our awareness, it's a different journey. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it can be scary, but there's a strength in it because it's not the trauma anymore. We've already survived the trauma when we were kids, when we were children. So to go back through now as adults, choosing to go back through now as an adults, we, we have the strength to do that. We can do that. We're powerful enough to do that. So those are, those are the three things that I would um, advise people. Find support. Know that you are your greatest healer. And know that whatever comes up, you are strong enough to handle it because you already did when you were a kid. So that's what I'll leave you with. The belief in yourself. I'm going to add to that. Yeah. As a mandated reporter, I am telling you, you don't have to be a mandated reporter like I am because I have a license mm -hmm. to practice medicine because I'm certified as a medic. If you're just a parent, a caregiver, if you are any clinician, if you have, if you happen to be a mental health professional, whether you're a coach, an advocate, all the way to a 
social worker, therapist, all the way to a PhD level, psychiatrist, you have an obligation. You can be a teacher, you can be a nurse, any mandated reporters, you absolutely 100% unequivocally have a responsibility by law to report child sex abuse. No ands, ifs, or buts about it. You can uh, you can notify your supervisor that they're doing it. They can't make you not do it. Company policy has nothing to do with the law. Mm-hmm. You have to report those issues immediately once you know about them. There is no plausible deniability that don't play, that don't count, that don't work. It ain't gonna cut. It ain't gonna cut. I'm telling y'all right now, because there's too many people, and and mandated reporters have gotten a lot better at this, at reporting these things. But there's still a lot of this going unreported. Mm-hmm. Something's wrong with that. I want to I want to speak to that LP because yes. so so when I talk about this healing, this it's it's our responsibility to heal from the inside out as a parent you know people always ask me what's the best thing we can do for our children and i i always respond the same the best thing we can do for everybody in our life for the for the world is to heal ourselves because yeah. a lot of the reasons why people don't report or they is because they themselves haven't connected to their own trauma so to, it's, it's about the seeing clearly that I talked about. If we haven't seen our own shit clearly, then then we're not going to be able to see that trauma clearly either. Where we're, we're, our, um, our lines are blurred. We don't we don't know if that's a violation or not because we haven't addressed it within ourselves first. Like I, I speak to that often about um, in, in school systems. There's so many teachers dealing with their own trauma that that we we you know we expect teachers to to be the advocate for children. Right. But when it when when those people they're just people like us when when their tri- trauma is triggered by something that that they're seeing happen with a child in their classroom, it's. We, we can't expect them to stand up in the way that that we want them to for those children because they haven't dealt with their own stuff. So so they can't see it clearly for what it is or they're they're too afraid to say something because if they recognize that as trauma, then they have to recognize what they went through as children as trauma. And and some people are, you know, they're too scared to do that. But so it, it always comes back to self. We want to help the next generation. We want to help our own children. We want to help the people that are that are in our environment, in our community. Then it starts by healing yourself, by connecting to your own traumas and seeing yourself clearly and processing through that. So then you can show up in the way that you're supposed to for your community. So I just wanted to to put that in there because it's very important. It is. It's extremely important. I don't play when it comes to this stuff. I, you know, no, you I'm telling you, if, if you want to lose me, there you go. That's one way. And so because who's going to protect these? Actually, babies? they won't lose you. They'll just see a different side of you, LP. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. 
you won't walk out of their life. You'll walk, you'll walk into that fire and you'll save the people in that fire that need saving. So they'll just see a different side of you. Leah, you know what? We just, we got to continue doing more to help. And we got to start, we got to start having more of these discussions because again, I don't give a damn if you're uncomfortable. I care if it's triggering to you because I, I, I'm conscientious of how that's going to play out with you. Yeah. I speak from a position of passion with compassion. And that's the difference from a lot of other people. And as someone who's a, a, a licensed first responder, my job in my head for my company is I want to start talking with other first responders and bringing this awareness and this education and having in-services, which are just classes for them because we get the calls all the time, but we don't get the training. Yeah. Nobody, nobody taught me about metaphysics. I learned this shit on my own. You know, I told you before, I had one class in 15 years, 14 years from when I worked at the fire department just on trafficking. How many red flags did I miss? Never had a class on domestic violence, never had a class on sexually based offenses, but we get calls like that all the time, all the time. All the time. You know, that's got to stop. And you know what is happening? A lot of my fellow first responders are starting to internalize these traumas. Mm. How does that manifest in them? I'll tell you how. They're starting to commit suicides. Mm. They're starting to commit more acts of domestic violence. They start the. I mean, we already had problems with substance abuse. That shit is just going through the roof now, you know. And the more these traumas that we are dealing with, when we get called out on the nine one one or nine eight eight with this new number that's out for suicides, mm-hmm. I I got flesh and blood here. I'm not a cyborg. I'm not a one cell amoeba. If I get a call for a nine one one. And it may just come out as an unknown EMS call. And I get there, and it's this kid standing there, you know, like fidgeting and stuff or whatever, and they're crying. And I'm like, hi, what's going on? And, you know, I find out, you know, from their teacher that they're in pain because they got these genital warts or, you know, they got, you know, gonorrhea or something like that. I got to go home and tell Mrs. LP after she tells me how her day is. And when she asks me how my day is, you know, I had a five year old kid that had a gentleman voice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, what do I do with that shit? Because I love the kids. It's Am so I going to start hitting the bottle? Am I going to start hitting the, the, the pipe? You know, am I going to start hitting Mrs. LP? I'm not. But I'm just saying, you know. Right. You know, how do you how do you deal with do taking with all that in? What am I going to do with myself? Am I going to take something and hurt myself? You know, right. I am a. How do you person. regulate your own nervous system after being exposed right. to something like that? And, and that goes back again, LP. It's your your firefighter friends. What they need is is resources and support on how to bring their own nervous system back to that to that state of 
uh, of calm. So, th- so it's not always in that, um, that hyper vigilant state. And, and that's done on the personal level. Only we can regulate our own system and bring it back to that resting state. Only we can. So those are the tools that we need to give to the, to the people in your, in your um, line of work. Those tools of how do I regulate my system? How do I bring my mind back to this present moment? Because in this present moment, that's not happening. But when I allow my mind to think about the things I saw today or to dwell on that, it pulls us out of the present moment and it it leaves us to what am I going to do? How am I going to deal with this? Move into addiction, do this, do this. But when we bring our mind back into our present moment, everything is safe here. I am safe in this present moment. And, and, and we may feel like we're like abandoning the, the experiences that we witnessed that day, but it's not about that. It's about strengthening ourself so that we're in a position to help when, when we need to. And that's by aligning ourselves in the present moment, like bringing our mind's focused attention to where we are in the safety of this present moment and not allowing it to live there with all of that. Because that happened and and we don't want to ignore it, but where are we right now? We're safe in this present moment. And that's how we regulate our system so then we can be strong enough to handle that, to handle the next situation that comes up. So we're not dysregulated when we're going into that next situation. So yeah, there's so many layers to this, so many layers. Like, like I, I really do believe that it's like this, um, it's on a global scale. It's, um, this earth plane has such imbalance of energy right now. There's such an imbalance of energy right now regarding human sexuality. And so it's, it's that big. You know, and that's why there's so many different facets of it. And and it can make us crazy thinking about how do we fix this? But how do we fix it? We bring ourselves into alignment because when we're aligned, that's how we show up the, the strongest way. That's how we make the next right choices. That's how we decide what we're going to do to combat this issue. Like from that space of alignment, it's so powerful. So it can get overwhelming, but if we simplify it to bringing ourselves to that regulated state of alignment, that's, you know, that's where it's most powerful. You gave me a brilliant idea for part three. Uh, <laughs> all right, Elfie. We're going to do a part. I love it. This might be just an ongoing, you know what? <laughs> I already got it. This is going to be an ongoing series with us. Stigma, like stereotypes, it. and taboos, childhood, sex, trauma. You know what part it. three is going to be? Because you said the word that popped up in my head, global. Mm. The next show that we're going to do, we're going to go global. We're going to talk about mm-hmm. childhood sex trauma with arranged marriages, <laughs> with with uh, women who are being, who are given, uh, what do they call it? Um, where, you know, like when men get the... Uh, um, circumcisions, female circumcision. Oh, yeah, we're going to talk so about much that. crazy shit going on. Yeah, we're, so we're going to go global yeah. on part three. We're going to talk about female circumcisions, okay. these arranged marriages from a global perspective because we don't really have that here in the states. Right, but, but it's still, still very prevalent. Going, 
It's still mm-hmm. fucking going on. And I'm telling you, we're going to really, really get into that on part three. So Sounds good, LP. So in September, we got a lot of time between now and then to get our research done. I might bring in someone who deals with that also internationally. Yeah. Wonderful. I think, I'm, I think I want to find somebody to talk about that. And the three of us are going to have a, a nice powwow about that. Sounds good, LP. You know, so I'll work on that. I'm looking yeah. forward to it, my friend. Yeah. How can people get in touch with you? How can they reach you? You know, I'm going to put your information up because your interview is going to come out next month, the uh, part mm-hmm. one. Awesome. But how can people get in touch with you? Because you're just a phenomenal person. I know that on Thursdays at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in Clubhouse, you have the Trauma Drama Room. Yes. Every Thursday, 11.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Trauma Drama is the room. And we talk about childhood sex traumas. And we talk about other things related to those topics. How else can people get in touch with you? So I I love that you brought up Clubhouse because the beauty of Clubhouse is that you can join the conversation right then when it's happening. Like if you have a question, come up and we will have a dialogue. So that's like the best way to to make connection, immediate connection. Um, I'm on Instagram. I'm on other social platforms, but most active on Instagram. That's the one that I checked check most often. So. Um, Instagram and Clubhouse are the two that um, I'm able to give my focus to with the time that I have. So please find me on Instagram, Clubhouse, but I do have um, all my content linked to my Facebook. Um, I, I'm not active on there, but if if you're on Facebook and you prefer that platform, I have all my Instagram content linked, so it does go there as well, so you can find um resources and information on my Facebook and everywhere. Um, I'm Leah Abraham 1111. So find me on clubhouse, preferably because we can engage there one-on-one. Um, but, uh, DMS on Instagram is probably best. All right. Leah Abraham quadruple 11. Yes. Oh, yeah, quadru- quadruple one. <laughs> I'm, I'm, my double mind, 11. I, yeah, double 11. <laughs> my mind went somewhere else because I was writing stuff down. So thank it's you. all good. Yeah. I can't wait for part three because that's, that's, that's going to be, be so yeah. important because, again, globally, not here in the U.S., but globally, we know that these things that are happening to children, especially girls with this female circumcision, this fucking arranged marriage and stuff with these grown ass men. Oh my god, it's so yeah. it's so crazy, right? Like that's like, why we see, just need to bring clarity around it. Start speaking about it because when you're raised in that environment, it's like normal. But when you're out of it, you see and you're just like, what is happening? So yeah, that's here, gonna be folks, good. Only here in the trigger warning talk that's podcast right. is <laughs> gonna get this type of content. And I'm telling you, Google it. Go on, do do a search on podcast world. Go to podcast land. I want people to email me trigger warning talk podcast at gmail.com. 
triggerwarningtalkpodcast at gmail.com. I want any link, any podcast, any anything related to that topic about childhood traumas, especially sexual traumas in relationship to female circumcision and arranged marriages that you've heard on a podcast. I want you to email me those podcasts, those links, you know, all of that stuff, because I want to know about that. I want to learn more about that. I want to talk to those individuals if I can. I want to highlight how traumatic that stuff is happening, because, again, we don't see it happening here, but we know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And I just want to thank you so much, Leah. I really want to thank you so much. Again, we got a lot of work to do with my sister and we're going to do it and we're doing it just like what what you always say in your room. You got to open up. Here's the form. Here's the platform. Don't be afraid. Be aware. I always say in my show with living awareness, don't live in fear. We got your contact information. We're going to start sending people your way and like, hey, you know what? She's safe. She's trustworthy. She's honest. She has a heart of platinum. She's going to make sure you get the resources that you need. That's the Leah Abraham that I know and love. Always, every day, and twice on Sunday. Leah, (laughs) I want to thank you so much. We're going to switch over to our our missing person case. And I actually, I want you to stay in this room for this one. Okay. Okay. I'm just going to bring it up on the screen because we only got a few more minutes. So I want to bring it up on the screen here and share it with you. So for those that are watching this, when it comes out, it's going to be on Spotify and it'll be on our YouTube channel, which is Pen and Pen and Consultant Solutions, LLC. This is a story and again, when we do missing persons cases, 99% of them are about melanated men, women, and children because we want to bring the same energy and the same media coverage to those that we see are not getting in the media. This story is about Zayla Walker. This source comes from basictrendy.com, and I also got it from Mrs. LP, who is our resident true crime expert and missing persons expert. Zalia Walker, and I'm just going to read the story, and I have the link to this story in the show notes here. She is from Las Vegas, Nevada. She's been missing since August 22nd of 2018. I'm just going to read the story because this is a short story. Zalia was noticed in North Las Vegas, Nevada on August 22nd, 2018. She lived with her mom, Lakia Walker, and maternal grandmother Carla Richardson in the 4600 block of Mission Cantina Avenue at the time of her disappearance. Oh, excuse me. Put it back over there. Uh, Richardson reported Lakia, Zelia, and Zelia's dad, Ricky Beasley, missing on August 25th. By then, Richardson had noticed Zayla in nearly two weeks. Lakia had left Zayla with Beasley on August 15th while she went on a job interview, and Beasley rejected returning the child later. Lakia called 911 to attempt to get Zayla back and asked Beasley in text messages to return Zayla, but her daughter was not returned to her. Beasley then said he'd just give Zayla back if Lakia paid him 13 stacks. 
for those that don't know, stacks is a thousand. So thirteen thousand dollars. And Lakia promised to raise the cash. During that duration, Lakia told her mom Beasley had taken Zayla to California to visit a relative. Richardson last saw her daughter when she left in a rush on August 22nd, saying, quote, I'll be right back, end quote. According to Beasley's mom, late on August 21st, she heard a noisy thug coming from his bedroom that woke her up. She ran into the hallway and saw Beasley holding Zalia, who was screaming. Beasley said he he gotten furious and thrown a cot against the wall after Zalia wet herself. He took the child into the bathroom to clean her off. The following day, Zayla and her parents vanished. They just vanished. Photos of Beasley and Lakia are posted with this case overview. The couple went on an unannounced trip, leaving behind their cell phones, Lakia's wallet, and her car during the trip up and down the state of California and then east across the country, passing through New Mexico, Texas, Illinois, West Virginia, and Tennessee. Lakia later stated that they napped in the car at the highway rest stops and never stopped in one place for long. By September 17th, the pair had run out of cash, so she they came back to North Vegas to get Lakia's ID and credit cards. Lakia met with one of her cousins there, but dropped out of sight again after her cousin inquired about Zayla. Then they wandered across the border into Tijuana, Mexico, and spent two days there before going back to Cali. San Diego PD interviewed Lakia and Beasley at that time and inquired about the missing person report, but they were told, but they told they were in no threat and that Zayla was with Beasley's relatives. On November 17th, Lakia and Beasley were detained in Houston, Texas, where police ran their names at a traffic stop and learned that they and their daughter had been reported missing. Zayla wasn't with them at the time and both her mom and dad said they hadn't noticed her in many months. Lake initially said Zayla was living in Beasley or with Beasley's relatives. Lakia was released after 48 hours, but Beasley was booked for ownership of a stolen vehicle. He was driving his mom's car, which he had taken without her authorization. Beasley and Lakia returned to North LV after getting out of prison in Texas, and they were detained by police there in December. The kid was released, but Beasley was caught again on the stolen vehicle charge. He was there after jail on charges of first-degree child abuse slash neglect and abduction in Zayla's disappearance. The police questioned Lakia many times and she failed a polygraph. She claimed Zayla was with numerous other people, including Beasley's ex-girlfriend, his brother, his brother and his mom. The data shows that she gave, quote, lead detectives to think I'm sorry, the data she gave, quote, led detectives to think that Zalia was not alive, end quote. Beasley's story to the police altered many times as well. At one point, he said Zalia was with Lakia, and at another time, said she was with his mom. In a phone combo with Beasley while he was in prison, Lakia said, quote, you always said nobody, no crime, end quote. A check of the couple's cell phone, which they left behind in North LV, exhibited Beasley had performed Google searches on August 21st about how to stop seizures in kids, including whether marijuana would help. He went to a marijuana dispensary that day and bought some. 
Investigators were able to verify that no one in Zelia's mom's or dad's family ever had supervision of her after her disappearance in August and that her parents never reached out to anyone about her. Investigators think Zelia went underwent a traumatic injury at the time of her disappearance in Paris as a result and that her parents disposed of her corpse and then went on the run. Lakia had asked to be with Zelia after Beasley took her in mid-August and declined to return her, but after August 23rd, she unexpectedly stopped exhibiting any interest in her daughter's whereabouts or well-being. She didn't even attempt to call or text Zelia on her child's birth, third birthday or send her a card or present. Although Beasley's mom stated she generally kept her car clean, Lakia told police that while she and Beasley were traveling around the country after Zelia's disappearance, there was a horrible smell coming from the car's trunk, quote, like rotten meat, end quote. She and Beasley attempted to get rid of the smell by vacuuming the trunk and cleaning it with a lemon-scented ammonia. Police stated the smell Lakia describes is compatible with decaying human remains. We call it decomp or decomposition. In March of 2019, Beasley, who was still in prison on other charges, was charged in the killing of his daughter's disappearance, charged with killing in his daughter's disappearance, and Lakia was arrested on the same penalties. The couple is awaiting trial for the killing. So they are presumed innocent. I want to make that clear because they haven't been adjudicated all the way. So they are innocent until proven guilty. I got to say that just for legal purposes. Okay, so again, the couple is awaiting trial for the killing. Authorities do not know the location of Zalia's corpse, but foul play is presumed in her case due to the situations involved. If you have any information about this case, good, bad, ugly, or indifferent, please contact the North Las Vegas Police Department at 702-633-9111. Again, if you have any information, good, bad, ugly, or indifferent about Zelia and her whereabouts, good, bad, ugly, or indifferent, please contact the North Las Vegas Police Department at 702-633-9111. Or you can contact the Charlie Project at the charlieproject.org. Leah, what do you think about this case? You know, what I think about is in, in my heart, I think about her soul is already in safety. Yes. And I think about those two people and the others involved are have created a hell for themselves here you know and um you know it's it is it's it's tough tough. and what it what it is though lp is is it's like it's it's generations upon generations of trauma you know because i hear about the mom you know like taking the mom's car like there's there's a bad relationship with the mom and the son already so that generation to this generation to this generation like these cycles have to be broken you know what i mean they have to be broken and that's why we we talk to a lot of cycle breakers that's stacy's podcast um uh and so it's 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 time you know it's it's just time to like 
to to break these cycles and and change change the narrative there's so many generations of trauma it's like we just need to redirect and 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 pass on healing instead of trauma like that's what i take from that story is there's you know victim of victim of victim and it just keeps going keeps going until someone breaks it and does something different you know what i thought about in closing is this children deserve better adults have a responsibility to give them better and it starts with the adults and if you are an adult and you have experienced sexual trauma you've you've experienced any trauma that has caused you to take your trauma and then put it onto a child, whether it's your child or somebody else's child. I got two words for you. Seek help. Seek help. Seek help. We're gonna end this podcast as we always do with a thank you to all the viewers, all the listeners of the Trigger Wanna Talk podcast. Again, if you have been triggered at any point during this podcast and you need immediate help, call 911. That's your starting point. If you don't need immediate help, we have a number of resources that will be listed in the show notes, domestic violence, sexual assault, uh, excuse me, trafficking. We have Al-Anon, Alcoholics Anonymous, and Narcotics Anonymous. We have the new 911 number for suicide issues, which is 988 that's available nationwide here in the States. I'm going to add, <clears throat> excuse me, some international numbers because we have people that listen to this podcast internationally. So I'll be adding that in the show notes from here on out. Dear Abraham, thank you so much for sticking with me doing this missing persons case. And as always, in closing, I want people to live in awareness. Don't live in fear. Take care of yourself. Make sure if you see something wrong, say something right now. Like yes. If you see something wrong, say, say something, something right, right now. now. Mm. And with that, for Leah Abraham, LP out. <laughs> Thank you, LP.